Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. Charleston was once the rage History has turned the page The minute the current thing goes on Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain La-da-da-da-dee The grocery stores are supermodel Up to war Electrically they keep a baseball store And the beat goes on The beat goes on Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain la da 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 Grandma's sitting chairs and rim on this. Boys keep chasing girls to get a kiss. The cars keep a going faster all the time. The beat goes on Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain La-da-da-da-dee La-da-da-da-da And the beat goes on Yes, the beat goes on And the beat goes on Good morning or good afternoon, everybody. It's uh, Wednesday, August 22nd, 2018, and cannabis prohibition still runs rampant across America and in lots of other parts of the universe. Um, I got a problem with that. I have a substantial problem with that, and I think that... uh, 
think that we can stop it. I think that we can create a world that doesn't have cannabis prohibition. And by that, I don't mean a restrictive uh, world where some people can do some things and some people can't. I don't mean a world where you can do this but not that. I don't mean a world where you can buy, sell, or trade this but not that. I don't mean a world that you have to pay taxes on a plant or anything unreasonable anyways, unlike anything else. I think that this would be a better world than the world we live in. And it doesn't matter who's president, and it doesn't matter who's in Congress, and it doesn't matter what political bit you happen to be. This is about freedom. And I think it's important enough that maybe we stand together and do something about it. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Last week, we began to paint a picture. We began to paint the picture that I just um, loosely described. And we're going to continue to paint that picture. And I'm going to encourage you, the listener, uh, to call in and add to that picture. Uh, a little bit later in the show, I will do the best I can to recreate it, and we'll go on from there. Uh, we got another huge show today, but today I'm going to bring some stuff out and, and put some rumors to rest. I'm about had it up to here with people going around spouting this and spouting that and you know, it seems that we get a we get to have ultimate power if we so choose, and we can point our finger and cast an accusation at somebody and let it go as though it happened. And, and people, in, in many cases, otherwise good people that otherwise might do good things, will listen to that accusation. In many cases, completely baseless or in other cases, conflating or contorting an action that happened or didn't happen. But either way, different or less than true. And, and, and people, for some reason, are willing to, to buy into that. Well, some of this stuff's been going on for a long time, and I, I, I believe that uh, it's time to put an end to some of this stuff. I really do. We're coming up on election time. Uh, the Human Solutions coming up on its 10-year anniversary. Ten years of all volunteers selflessly helping other people. So if you got something negative to say about an organization that does that, I question you. And that's what today we're going to get into a little bit of that. I'm going to call you out a little bit. If you've got a beef with me, and you're not willing to talk to me in person, and you're not willing to call me on the phone and tell it to me personally, but you're willing to type on Facebook or other social networking and make accusations that are foundless. Well, we're going to call you out, and i got to see your cards, because um, otherwise they don't count. I have the spotlight of truth that is a trump card. And if you know anything about trump cards, no pun intended, they're better than yours. And that's how it's going to be. 
All right, today we have a special guest, um, possibly two special guests. Uh, Amy Case King's going to come be the first one on today, and she's going to tell us about a tragedy that happened in Colorado, of all places. Oh, my God. The almighty Colorado. I don't know how sick to death I am, almost, of Colorado and the attitudes and arrogances and innuendos and and uh, accusations, for God's sake, that come out of Colorado. Um, Colorado passed a law that allows for certain things to happen. But there's a lot of things that happen outside of those certain things. And if you're not following that law to the letter, you could face some issues. And you might even find yourself in prison. We're going to find out about that just a little bit. People say, oh, no, it's Colorado. It's legal. No, there's still people in jail and there's still people in prison in Colorado for pot-related issues. What? We're going to hear from one of them today. Go figure that one out. I've only been saying that from the beginning, since before Colorado was legal, since that word legal has been spouted around as though it means something other than a Trojan horse, we've been talking about it. Why don't we talk about freedom? Why don't we talk about liberty? Why don't we talk about removing barriers that get us to that? I don't know. I could talk about that. So I'm rambling a bit, as I tend to do, but we're only six minutes into the show, so I'm, I'm well within my, my ramble period. Uh, we got a new thing going on today. And... Uh, I have a live stream happening on YouTube right now. So we're live streaming on Facebook, and I just can't stand Facebook. But we're going to talk a little bit about social networking and the value that it has. Unfortunately, as we talked about last week, um, destructive power is more destructive than constructive power, is constructive. So a little bit of destruction can ruin a whole lot of construction. And unfortunately, I've just wasted so much time on Facebook, I just find myself less and less there. However, YouTube, um, YouTube doesn't have this problem. Hey, Mike. Mike is the first one that's come on to our YouTube uh, uh, live stream. So we got... Two different views, two different feeds. Hopefully they'll both stay alive today. Um, what I'd really like to have happen is call in. Call in and share your thoughts. That's what makes this show great. is isn't my ramblings or my musings, but it's that we're all gathered around for a purpose. It's that we all are part of something that's bigger than any one of us, and that's what this is about. We're going to talk about that. And how dare anybody do anything to damage that? That's what I have to say. How dare you? Yep. If you've got something that's real, let's see it. Show it. But you don't get to just go around saying damaging things uh, without any evidence or any anything. You don't get to do that. We get to be judged by our works. I know that there's, there's a, a good book out there that says you're judged by other things, but... Your works matter. Your works matter a lot. 
And the things that you do over a period of time is the thing that defines you. Who are you? Well, I am this person. Why are you this person? Because I did this. I did that. I did this. I did that. I said this and I did it. I said that and I did it over time, over more and more time. Guess what? That's who defines us. It defines us as an organization. It defines me as an individual. It defines every single one of us. So why don't we peel that onion back a bit and let's see what you've done with the last 10 years of your life. Amen. And let's see what this group's done with the last 10 years of its life. And I'm proud of the work we've done in the last 10 years. We've made a difference in people's lives all across the country and in other countries at the same time. We've done all positive, and we haven't hurt a goddamn person ever, not once. Or there certainly would have been evidence of that. Um, so anyways, the show's about to begin. We're going to go ahead and bring up Amy Case King, um, and she's going to join us. Now, I've known Amy for a bunch of years. Amy was actually part of the creative process of prior to us being a 501 And um, we've, we, we share a lot of common ground, and we uh, work on a lot of common things, and um, we definitely uh, believe that freedom is for all of us and not just some of us. Amy, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, Joe. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I'm uh, all coffeeed up and ready to go. <laughs> good for you. So tell so I don't me, think uh, Evan's... Evan's not going to get to call us. Evan's not going to get to call us. He didn't call yesterday and get the number. I haven't heard from him today. I I don't know if they heard me asking him if he knew about the prison protest that was going to happen or not, but I haven't heard from him in two days, so. Well, as you know, um, it depends on who's looking at you, who's watching at any given time as to what, what might happen um, when you're locked up, um, they have all the power, and you have to fight to get any bit of power. And, you know, sharing information is kind of like the last bastion of power we have. And if they think that uh, you're going to be doing it outside of what they want, sometimes they they give you some grief. And I hope that's not what happened to him on account of of our attempt at uh, hearing his story in person. Um, But... I know that the good news is, uh, as bad as our prison systems are, they're not like other countries are, and he's he's going to come out of it, and he's going to be able to tell this story, and we're going to hear it. If it's not this week or next week, it might be the week after. But I know that um, you know a good a good spirit will overcome whatever we have to throw at it. Right on. So tell me about what happened with your son. Um, you know, there's it, it, so many people I run into. Uh, it, it, it's very disheartening to me as an advocate and an activist because so many people that used to be in our camp, um, you know, really don't fight anymore because they think that we're done. And they think that because places like Colorado and Washington and, hell, even California, for God's sake, uh, have passed some ridiculous law that allows some people to do some things that there's nothing to worry about anymore and that it's all downhill from here and we're good. What are your thoughts on that? 
while it's like couldn't be farther from the truth. Uh, legalization is nothing but a cover for Prohibition 2.0. Large conglomerate, white collar, uh, rich white men, former law enforcers, former legislators um, who vehemently opposed us and what we said um, helped us now cashing in and um, still arresting uh, persecuting, prosecuting patients, uh, and, and even just recreational users, um, and, and, and every opportunity that they can. Um, I mean, CBD is not even safe in California right now. So how no. can we say that? <laughs> I mean, how can we say that um, everything's good to go? Uh, it's just not true. Um, yeah, you know what's really funny I mean, is. CBD is okay in Kansas today, but right. California's got a beef with it. <laughs> it's, it's the insanity um, of the policies that are being driven, and 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 the variances in state to state. But uh, yeah, it's 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 to the world level. So you know, I'm, I'm working at the international level, and um, and. It's unfortunate because our our industry, this movement, is not immune from fake news. They sell the story the way they want you to believe the story so that they can create old paradigms, new paradigms, uh, reinforce false belief systems. Um, yeah, so that's where we are still, even in this movement. You know, what's interesting is as more information comes out about uh, the phytochemical makeup of this plant, and we, as we begin to understand it, in many ways, that's more damaging than not knowing it, but just knowing that it worked, because there's so much misinformation and twisted information and instant experts espousing things that they can't prove. I, I just saw an article about marijuana addiction and they were talking about, you know, how it's a real thing and that you can, you know, your body will act the same way or similar as it does to other addictions and this and that. But in no place did they mention that you can't die from it. And they didn't mention that you can't die from an overdose, even if you were addicted. Mm -hmm. And they don't mention that there's a medical benefit from taking too much most of the time anyways. It was all just a negative in, and it was just talking about that. You know what? This is Craig Cecil calling from Federal Prison. So, Amy, I'm going to I'm gonna okay. put you in. No, no, go ahead. Uh, there's still smoke out there, but it's it's 
it's nothing like what it was last week or the week before, that's for sure. Well, that's at least an improvement. I, hopefully they're going to get that all under control. I, I know it's really wrecked a lot of people's lives and has killed people. It's, oh, I, I, I have a friend who lost her home, and I know a few people that have been evacuated, and I know people's farms that have been burnt out. I know, I mean, uh, the Northern California fire is, 100,000 acres past the next biggest fire in California's history. So this is this is apocalyptic stuff up here. Crazy. And, uh, well, I think the latest news is Hawaii's about to get hit by a hurricane. So there's, if it's not one thing, it's another, I guess. Yeah, who would have thought you'd get a volcano and a hurricane at the same time? That's, that, that's, a, that's, that's a showdown... For the ages. <laughs> Mother, yeah, they ought to make some sort of you know, chowder out of it. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Mother Nature versus Mother Nature. I don't know who's I don't. We know who's going to win, but I don't know how it's going to play out. <laughs> so. Well, hopefully, hopefully good for the people. Here there's a, a real feeling of anticipation over the prison. And uh, the number one thing everybody's talking about is there's a handful of prison reform bills, they're calling them, before the uh, U.S. Senate. And they're hoping that in the next few days or even tomorrow that the uh, uh, Senate Judiciary Committee is going to take all these bills, pull some, you know, what they think they can pass out of all of them, and put it all together into some sort of criminal uh, justice reform act that they're going to put before the Senate and vote on. Uh, in the near future, so the inmates are all excited, and you just can't imagine the the rumors about what's going to be in the new law. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, we we talk about these laws and and you know their strengths and their weaknesses. Mostly, I talk about the weaknesses because the strengths are you know a long time due. Um, but you know, we were ju- we were talking about earlier, you know, the 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 Trojan horse of legalization and how the very people that are prohibitionists have pushed some legislations forward so much so that they're the ones that benefit when it all gets passed through and then they end up, you know, owning a business in a place where only a handful of people can. Um, You know, it's really kind of crazy that that these laws, you know, it's kind of like, in a lot of people's way of looking at it, it's literally the the most powerful thing we can do is to pass a law. And yet, when was the last time a truly good law got passed? When was the last time a law that we all sat back and said, wow, that was a good one? Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> they always seem to fall short. And, and I, I don't know why we can't just do it right once. I mean, how many laws are on the books today? It's, it's, it's tens of thousands. Oh, yes. And, uh, let's call it from a federal prison. I think the biggest problem with our criminal justice system is that there's usually a new law made reacting to some sort of, you know, some sort of emergency of the day. And, uh, like back in the 80s, um, there was bad economic times, and they needed something to blame for all the rising crime rates and all that, and they blamed drugs. Right. And that's when the... That's when the war on drugs really became turbocharged, you know, under the federal government. And that's why, like, people like me, a first-time offender, 
on a marijuana charge gets a life sentence, but yet uh, the people convicted of violent crimes, they don't look at, you know, anything more than 20 years, and they usually end up doing, you know, about a fourth of that. You know, and that's for having committed a violent, you know, rape or uh, assault, you know, where somebody ends up seriously injured or, or something like that. They look at five or six or seven or eight years in prison, but yet somebody that fixes trucks for people that traffic marijuana, you know, that carries a life sentence. There's something wrong in our laws that, you know, that too many people are afraid to stand up and say, we need to fix this. Everybody admits it's wrong. But there's so few people standing up and saying, we need to fix this. Well, and you know, I think one of the things that's wrong is all of the, we live in the information age, and there's there's information flying at us from all directions, right? And yet, there's more ignorance today than I've ever experienced in my life. It seems that 20 years ago, people were more aware of of reality, and, you know, there's there's so-called fake news, and and embedded in all this information, there are truths. But you know what it requires to, to, to weed it out? It, it requires uh, a thoughtful intellect. It requires an awareness. It requires um, uh, reason. It requires, you know, looking at things and, and, and judging them, uh, you know, against a balance of other things. And yet... People will hear something, see it printed on, see it on internet, see it on social media, on the news channel, and they just like, oh, did you know what I heard? And you know what happens, Craig, when somebody says, did you know what I heard? People will put it in their brain as though it happened. Yep. And I, I've been studying the brain and how we work as a as as an animal and as our how our brain works. And you know what? The truth has very little to do with what we remember. It has very little to do with what, what, what we see and what we remember uh, in most cases aren't even the same thing. And I don't, you know, I don't know what to even say about that. What do you do when the truth doesn't matter like it should? And people don't know, Craig, people don't know that you can get life in prison for pot, even today in America. Ten years ago, 20 years ago, they don't know that that could even happen. They don't believe it. It's crazy. Well, here's, a, here's an example that you and I see that not enough people see is we look at Vance up in Washington. You know, here he ran an, a marijuana operation right in full sight for, for many years. He wasn't, you know, hiding in a back alley or anything. But yet when the feds finally scooped up, you know, scooped him up, you know, maybe because they were bored. I mean, you know, nobody really knows why, but they scoop him up and arrest him. And he faced a 10-year mandatory minimum in prison because he trafficked marijuana. But yet, somebody that traffics in sex slavery faces no mandatory minimum. And they face a guideline, you know, of much less than 10 years. Now, I mean, how can this be? You know, I mean, what, what does sex slavery do to, you know, especially the sex slaves, but what does it do to, you know, the people that, you know, even, you know, um, seek out that business and seek out those people and all that? I mean, there's... there's oh, a, it empowers it completely. Yeah, there's there's nothing... There, there There's nothing at stake, you know? I mean, even, even you know, pot farmers 
and 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 producers of things, they look at most of the time. I mean, I, I always did, allegedly. I I always weighed out what was the likelihood of me having a problem, and I moved forward about you know with whatever it is I did allegedly. But if there was nothing at stake, I would have done more of what I did without thinking about it. And and what I did didn't cause harm. I can only imagine, though, you know, what somebody like a, a sex trafficker or, you know, any kind of a of a slaver as they are today, um, you know, might think if they got nothing to worry about, I mean, that's a lucrative business. And, you know, you talk about, about evil, you talk about destructive. I don't know what could be more harmful. And like I say, you know, how did how did that happen? That our penalties for marijuana are, are worse than for rape or for you know people who harbor sex slaves and things of that nature. I mean, how can the public not notice it, or especially our politicians not notice it and say, we need to fix this. We need to fix this. You know, everybody's busy staring at their cell phones, and they're not paying attention to much anymore. You walk around, you drive around, and you see a, a, a nation of zombies these days. They've got these little computers that are about three inches by six inches, and, and people don't peel their faces away. And uh, it, it's, it's crazy. The, you, you see an interesting story. You see, uh, you know, there, there was just a movie made about trafficking. And, you know, it was an interesting movie, and it, it certainly, you know, caught my attention. I thought it was reasonably well done, but at the end of the day, there was no moral to it. There was no lesson to it that said, well, you know, this is this is something that's real and ugly, and we can do something about it. There was never a, a something that we can do. Um, it was based on, real, on truth as well. I, I don't know. You'd think that that would be just really, you know, a drumbeat. You would think that it would be a continual message uh, as it's a true and real, real and present danger in our society today, and it's all around us. You know, in in California, we have some of the three biggest ports in the world, and you think there's not, you know, slaves being drugged back and forth from all over the world? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I see here is what people grasp out of the talk about sentencing reform in the Senate is the inmates grab onto not what they actually read of these bills and all that, but they look at what they hear of the gossip. They hear that, oh, they're going to double our good time, so everybody's going to get out of prison early. There's no such provision like that in there. They're hearing, you know, all these different provisions that they've all heard from somewhere else are going to be in there. You know, they're not even legally feasible. I mean, they're definitely not in there. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the sad part is the inmates are all pushing for things that are actually legally impossible because, you know, they haven't been informed. They haven't, you know, learned what's actually possible, you know, what's on the table. Now, Craig, I heard that rumblings of a a prison strike or some kind of a protest. Uh, Did you hear anything about that? Yes, we had no events here that were under that, but... uh, in 17 different states, the uh, a bunch of the state prisons, just all the inmates sat down and said, we're not going to work. We're not going to cook the food. We're 
not going to, you know, take out the garbage. We're not going to fix the prison. We're just not going to do anything. We're going to make all the guards do it, and uh, we have demands. And um, I do side with their demands. I mean, they're demanding uh, that they bring Pell Grants and education opportunities back to prisoners. They're uh, pushing for, you know, uh, prisoners should be able to vote in elections. How come, you know, how come we're not allowed to vote in elections or so that people like me could vote for, you know, people that will actually stand up for uh, what the public wants in, in terms of marijuana laws. You know, they're also pushing for, you know, just um, prisons that are, you know, better managed. They're better overseen by other people that, to make sure that, you know, inmates are getting fed the way they should. They're getting medical care the way they should. They're, they're not getting beat up by, you know, overzealous guards that, as happened so often. You know, so I can see their protests, but there was none of it here. And there's talk that uh, some of the prisons, the inmates are going on a 30-day hunger strike. So that's a pretty serious matter if a whole, you know, or at least a significant portion of a whole prison will do it. You know, maybe we'll see some reform from that. And, and you know what I didn't see all over the news? Uh, this thing that we just talked about, <laughs> I, I I heard about it from a from a, a couple of inmates and a couple of um, of um, advocates, but I didn't hear any mention of it on mainstream news whatsoever. That was your first beep already, Craig. I want to give you the rest of the couple of minutes we got left. Well, maybe. Maybe those inmates that are willing to stick their necks out and go uh, for 30 days and all that, maybe, you know, you people can help get them uh, out it, you know, front and center to say, you know, what's wrong with these people? Why aren't they getting school classes? Why aren't they getting Pell Grants? Why aren't they getting, uh, you know, classes that will lead to jobs upon their release? Why aren't they getting any help with housing on their release? You know, why don't the doctors treat them that are here in the prison? So maybe th maybe that's what it takes. Not a riot, but maybe, you know. Oh, well, there he goes. You know, every single week it happens. And, uh, you know, for all of us who are doing everything we can, and yet there's still some minutes that maybe weren't taken care of, for all of us that think passing another law is going to solve this, um, for all of us who are who are trying, um, maybe don't know what to do. I I think that there's more to be done. Craig is not getting out of prison unless we do something. Okay, he's gonna die in prison for pot, and he didn't even have pot. But if he had pot, it wouldn't have made it so that he should have been in prison. He was a mechanic on the truck. Give me a break. That's all he did. And, and, and that's that's the world we live in today. And passing a law that allows some people to do some things in a certain way is not going to get Craig out of prison. It's not going to get anybody else that's in prison for pot out. So why don't we rethink this a little bit? Why don't we actually be innovative? Why don't we be a little bit aggressive? And why don't we start to repeal some stuff? Maybe that word should be said a little bit more. Why don't we remove cannabis from Schedule 1, that'd be simple. That'd be the simplest thing to do. Smartest. And it would end this. And then you put in a provision uh, that allows for a prisoner to 
uh, appeal based on this new law, give them a way out, boom, all of a sudden we have maybe a little bit of justice. I don't know how many rallies I've been at, and there were screams that echoed so loud that the building shook, and we said, what do we want? And we answered justice, and we said, when do we want it? Now! And we said, now. And yet, this continues. And I don't see much justice out there. I see some once in a while. I see some when we demand it. I see some when we all get together and we stand together united. That's when I see justice happen. I don't see it by passing laws and stepping back and saying, I guess we're done. I don't see it. All right, back to Amy. I get on rant sometimes. Amy, welcome back. I, I know that you know the deal with Craig, and you know how it is. A prisoner gets uh, online, and everybody else takes a step back, so he gets at least his 15 minutes to talk. Okay. Yeah, all right. I unmuted my phone. I'm back. <laughs> I do know how – I do know Craig's story, and – um, yeah, it's insane. Um, there's so much about this that's wrong. Um, the prison strike is trying to point out some of those, um, some of those wrongs. It's interesting how the, how the, um, this is, this is the, or yesterday was the anniversary of Attica. Uh, the prison riot in Attica in New York, um, and then that was what started the prison riot or the prison protest, not the prison riot, but the prison protest of 2016, which then led to the death of, I think, uh, seven or nine inmates and like 42 were injured um, because there was lack of... Um, lack of prison guards so prisoners were staying locked down all the time and they were tired of the conditions and that and so when the riot or the protest broke out they didn't even have enough um, staff to go in and get it under control so um, so this now has turned into a protest about that or those conditions that led to that so um, and I did get your um, the press release that came from that, and I will, if I don't get a chance to read it during the show today, I will post it so that everybody can see it. So um, we do have the details about the protest and uh, what the demands are and what the terms are and all of that. So, uh, well, tell us a little bit about your son. Tell us about what happened. Hey, before we move on to Evan, I'm going to say something about this. Um, I need to do a little bit more research myself. We need to identify the products that are sold in the open market, not just to the federal government, um, that are made in prisons. And we need to boycott those products. We need to not buy products that exploit prison labor for corporate interests. I, I I very much would be a part of that, and I know I could get the human solution behind a project to identify all of the products that might be consumer-based products um, that are in any way connected to prison labor. Or the companies that do it. You know, um, yeah, well, we could go one step beyond and, and say, well, these are directly made by 
inmates, and these are made by companies that also are, you know, subsidiaries of these other companies. Um, I, I would. I know that I could get our organization behind a, an educational campaign like that, and I would love to work with you um, on bringing that up. I know I could get a couple of bodies that could help research that. Awesome, awesome, great. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Evan now. So, Evan, um, Evan has an anxiety problem and moved to Colorado about two years ago um, after he had, uh, he was violently assaulted while living in Pennsylvania outside of Pittsburgh. So um, he had that violent assault. He had some pretty significant PTSD as a result of it. So his anxiety, his PTSD, and um, end up in Colorado where he could legally access cannabis. Um, was working, driving home from work one night. Well, I guess after work he had two beers. He worked in a, a restaurant that sold alcohol. So after they were all done, they all had two beers. And we got in his car to drive home because he'd be back to work at, I think, 10 the next morning. And um, got pulled over for a traffic safety violation. He didn't have any running lights that night. So... Apparently, when the cop went to the window, he told Evan he smelled alcohol. Evan got out of the vehicle. He had been had the two beers from work, so the, the police officer gave him a breathalyzer. The police officer then proceeded to tell him uh, that he blew ex- extremely high and was concerned about his well-being and encouraged him to take a blood test. And um, from there, when got the blood test, um, they didn't actually arrest him that night, which was really interesting. They took him to some sort of substation where he sat with in like um, a makeshift storage room with cots and fake curtains. And when he blew legal below the limit, he was allowed to leave. Um, it took about six, eight weeks before he was actually received paperwork in the mail um, that said uh, he also had been charged with THC, cannabis DUI. So that being what it was, he just didn't have the money to hire an attorney. He went in, he pled no contest. They said, well, you need to see, uh, do a pre-sentencing evaluation. Evan has never, this was Evan's first arrest, his first ever charge. And so he had to go see. Apparently, uh, when you go for a sentencing evaluation, you're actually sitting with the prosecutors. This is done in the prosecutor's office. Um, and he was without counsel, so he had no counsel through the entire event. Um, apparently they ask you a series of questions through two meetings. On his second meeting, after having talked with me for some time, and um, I, I told him, you know, don't do probation. This is a traffic, at this point, this is a traffic misdemeanor. Uh, it's not a criminal misdemeanor. And there's no sense going on probation. 
and you're not able to not use cannabis, you know, not able to use cannabis because of the cannabis DUI, um, just don't do probation. Tell them you'll do your time if it's anything over six months. So at the second meeting, they asked him uh, what did he think that his sentence should be. And he said six months probation, and they laughed and told him, well, we're recommending two years, to which he said, well, I'll just ask to do my time then. And so he got into court. Apparently the judge had the prosecutor's sentencing evaluation, at which it stated that Evan um, said he would refuse two years probation. Without Evan saying anything, the judge told him, well, you're apparently not remorseful. I've read the, the uh, sentencing evaluation, so you can go to jail for a year. And that's where he is right now. Wow. And, and you know, for people who don't think that that can happen to you, um, I mean, I went through a, a, a kangaroo court. I, I, I was railroaded. I've watched. I, I've sat in courtrooms all over the country, federal courtrooms, state courtrooms, family law courtrooms, every kind of courtroom you can imagine. And if you get the right set of circumstances, this can happen to you. I've watched people who were uh, mentally not altogether capable of making difficult decisions um, get pushed into uh, prison time. And I've witnessed it, and I've watched people serve, you know, up to two years in prison, and and there was nothing about what happened that even in accordance with the laws of the area should they have ever seen the inside of a jailhouse, ever. And this happens, and and for people who think that it can't, you know, I've I've been out to Colorado a number of times, and every time I've gone out there, I will come upon people who have cases in Colorado. And so and the same thing's true with Washington, the same thing's true with Oregon, and the same thing's true with California and everywhere else that has, um, you know, a law that says you can do some things. Well, Amy, what, do you, what, what is the likelihood, I mean, what is, like in California, um, the sentences are half time, so if you are sentenced to a year, you'll do six months, maybe even less with good time and all the other things they have. What's what's the the, the real sentence that he's facing? Uh, he'll get out in January of January the thirtieth, I think, is what they have in the on the books now as a release because he he's obviously doing the free labor work in the in the jail, so. Um, I sent a, what, what's so distressing to me about this whole scenario is, I mean, I absolutely think that Evan was driving over the, the legal limit for alcohol at that, at that moment or whatever. There should be some sort of reparations and punishment for that. So a couple of things, you know, um, when he laughed at them or when he, he said he wasn't going to take two years probation, he came at that from a place where he had just been a victim who went through a court case as the, as the victim in Pennsylvania. And these people premeditatedly set him up and, and beat him so bad. And it was all on camera, by the way. 
the detective, the detective was mortified seeing the video. Evan didn't even go and tell the police, really. Somebody else on from the bar saw what happened and, and reported it. So the detective actually showed up at, at Evan's house. So, so there's that. But they were charged with felonious assault, both of them, the girl and the guy. And when it came down to going to court, they gave each of them six months probation. So now you can understand Evan's confusion when for a first offense, non-crash, nothing but a traffic violation, he was very cooperative the entire time to be offered two years probation. And the judge's response to that is not, well, why is that? Why do you think that you shouldn't get that or anything? His first response is to now make this 28-year-old homeless because the fact is he went to jail that day. He had no preparation for planning his apartment, removing his things from his apartment that are now God knows where because I don't live in Colorado, so where are his things? You know, I mean, what the fuck kind of, I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on this show or not, but but what kind of of sense does that make for that community? Is that community safer now that this boy, when he's released, will leave without a dime in his pocket, without a job, without a driver's license, without a home? Is that what we've become? They didn't see any. They didn't see any need to intervene in any other way except to say two years probation, which is ridiculous after you just got your face smashed in, and those people only got six months probation. The contrast is so glaring. And, and, and it's a problem. you know, the, the thing that happens, you know, maybe it's because of the kind of organization we are that we hear about it all the time because people come to us with these problems. But it happens a lot more than anybody might think. And as much as we have all kinds of problems regarding racially motivated whatnot, this happens to anybody and everybody in any given time. Um, and, you know, it's happened to me. I'm, I'm the whitest guy you'll ever see. Um, but I that didn't matter when, when I was going through it. Uh, and, it, again, this, this conversation isn't about that at all, and it shouldn't be about that. The point is that our system has got so much corruption and that this could happen to anybody even once isn't okay. And the fact that it happens all the time is a travesty, and it's something that needs to be stopped and changed. And I just can't get over how... So many people, so many good people that are trying to do good things, they focus their attention on things that won't make a difference in the same way, and it won't affect this kind of behavior ever. You know, we have in California an ex-cop that has been found to be one of the most horrific killers that our country's ever known. And this guy was trusted as a law enforcement official at one point. And now he's referred to as the Golden State Killer, and you know it, it's it, 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 there 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 are so many depths of corruption um, that that go across the justice system, the political spectrum, 
from one side to the other, and I don't think that, I don't know if there's a safe place when it comes to that. I, I just don't. I don't know. I, I think that the good people need to get together and start talking a little bit more, and I think we need to focus our attention a little bit more, and I think we need to stop getting sidetracked about little petty little things a little bit more, and maybe we can focus on one of these things and start knocking it back and then stand on a victory and go get another one. What do you think? Yeah, we definitely need a brigade of actions, that's for sure. Um, well, you know, I, I write letters. I wrote a letter to Evans, Judge, um, just to kind of put it into perspective for him. Um, that went out last week, so uh, I haven't heard anything back. It's been about a week now, I think, since I sent that. Um, you know, Glenn, Glenn Keeling and um, Peggy Sue have a case going on. Um, you saw the letter I sent for to their judge on their yeah, behalf. I, I mean, it's actually amazing. And I and I, you know, I've written I don't know how many letters. I've written a letter to to their judge about their case previously. But after seeing what you did, the way you did it, um, I'm going to write another one. And um, you know. A lot of times when letters are written, the judge will receive a big bundle. Like usually most people give the letters to the attorney of record, and then the attorney might review them and say, well, these ones we're going to move forward, and the other ones, eh, we don't want those ones to go. And the judge will receive a big bundle of letters all at once, and uh, most of the time I believe they actually go through and read them. Um, in many cases I've had seen judges um, – at a sentencing hearing or, or, yeah, usually it's at a sentencing hearing, I've seen them uh, speak on the letters and, and reference one letter or another. So the letters make a difference. But you were able to, in a certain way, and I, I'm going to share that after I write mine, um, and you literally uh, submitted it to the court um, and to the prosecutor. Now, in my case, years and years ago, we wrote letters to the prosecutor's office as well, um, you know, prior when they were holding me without bail at one point. Um, and, and you know, our goal was to let the prosecutor know that you know, there's a lot of people that are paying attention to this. You can't, you can't do that. Um, and I think that, you know, it definitely had some kind of an effect. So I, I'm going to definitely share your template um, for reaching people. I know we have a lot of people who are always saying either I do everything I can do, you know, there's not anything more I can do, or I don't know what to do. And I hear a lot of both. And so I think this is, you know, one of those things that's a clearly defined action with a very specific way of doing it that can have an effect. And it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can do this. Yes, yes, you can. I, I, I mean, I, I tend to be more, um, I do a lot of research and a lot of reading every day. So, uh, and, and like you, have cases all over the country that I, I'm working on or people reach out to me um, about. And not just in cannabis, too. I'm also involved with uh, vaccine injuries. So I get a lot of mixed um overlap in, in sure. atrocity in system 
Um, so I just happened, I, I needed to, I, I'm born and raised in Ohio, which is where Peggy and Glenn's case are, is, but I haven't really been up in the law there. So I was reversing myself and trying to figure out how to address the court and in this matter and catching up on what the law of the state of Ohio for cannabis was. And I decided to just check out the prosecutor find out what motivated him, what's his aspirations, what could I find on him. And I came across that Ohio Prosecutor Association, Ohio Prosecuting Attorneys Association. So now I would, I would just encourage everybody to do that. Look and see what is the state prosecuting association saying its ethical responsibilities are, its moral responsibilities are its responsibility to its state uh, citizens. Um, and they, they, they actually did all the work for me. <laughs> oh, I want to thank them for that. Um, because it gave me an opportunity to point out he has an obligation as a prosecuting attorney to look at mitigating circumstances. Right. It gave me an opportunity to say the state has already passed a law, right? And the intent of that law is being subscribed to by the development of the policy. So what is your intent in prosecuting this case? You know, he has to, he kind of has to answer those questions. We have right. a right as citizens to know. Well, and, and I think that people, and, and, I, and I, I'll paint with a really broad brush for this, but pot people in general, I think often don't want to acknowledge that what we are really in is truly a war. And it's not a fake war, and it's not a, 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 an imaginary war, Life and, death. and it's not a war that doesn't have victims and prisoners and death. Um, it is very much that, and we refuse to treat it that way. And our enemies, our, our adversaries, they very much treat it that way. And we get routed more often than we, than we win because of that. And I think what you're doing is classic, you know, reconnaissance move that should be, that should be used as a template. And I think that these are things that possibly if we were to take this seriously, and to realize the stakes and, and to realize that um, we actually got to put an effort into this to get, to get what we want. And if we want, if what we want is to be told you can have four plants but not five, and if what we want is to be told that you can have access to cannabis but you're going to pay 40% tax on it, or if we want is that you can have flowers but not oil or oil but not flowers, then keep going. Keep going the route we're going. But if we want freedom, I think we need to get serious about this. Well, you know what, um, Amy, guess who I have on the line right now? Since we were just speaking about Glenn and Peggy, I got Glenn on the line, and they they just had a hearing. And I'm and Glenn's going to give us an update, and I'm going to bring him on live so that we can all be on the same spot. Great, Glenn, great. you are live with uh, Amy Case King, who's been – advocating for your case, and uh, I understand you have an update. I do, I do. I, I want to say thank you, Amy. The letter that you wrote was, was very, it was a good letter, and we really greatly appreciate the, your letter. It, not just yours, but, uh, I mean, we, between Peggy and I, we had over 240 letters sent to either the judge or 
prosecutor. So, so I want to, I, you know, I, I thank every single person, man, that put pen to paper. Um, and thank you very much for those letters. They do help and, and keep sending them. I mean, you know, this case isn't over. We did have a uh, motion hearing today, um, and it was continued for next Thursday. Um, the Both of the attorneys uh, have asked multiple times for the, the – oh, let me start to be – when the cop went to get the warrant to come to the house, he told the judge that he has they have been surveilling the house for six months and they got a traffic buy from the home. That was his statement. Well, the judge gave him the uh, search warrant. Well, lo and behold, uh, my first court appearance, he sat on stand and when asked about the surveillance, he said, oh, well, I really don't have six months of surveillance. I watched the home when I could and in my spare time. Um, so they are requesting yet again this six months of surveillance. Um, both Peggy and I have dismissal case or, uh, motions in. We both have quash motion, or Peggy has quash motion in. So hopefully next Thursday they're going to hopefully just dismiss this case. Um, it has gone on almost a year now. And for absolutely no no reason at all, it, we were targeted. Um, the attorneys uh, have said that the court official said the same thing. Um, they just need just to go ahead and just dismiss it. And, it. and it makes and it saddens me, you know, that I have to follow up somebody like Craig Cecil, and that's horrible for somebody to spend a lifetime in prison, just a day even for a plant. That is the real crime, locking somebody up. That's the crime. Oh, it's, it, 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 you know, the thing that happens, though, Glenn, is our awareness, um, no matter how aware we might have been, I mean, you know, we're blessed with having a lot of advocates that have never gone to jail. And I hope they stay that way. I hope they stay advocates, and I hope they never go to jail. Um, but wow. those of us that have been locked up and, and have had loved ones locked up and have had to go visit loved ones or, or be visited by them, um, have seen the inside of courtrooms, have been drug out of courtrooms and shackled, um, it's a different point of view. And as much as I, 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 I value tremendously those that – have not had to go through this. There's something about those of us that have that are the tip of that spear, and we understand how important it is in a very specific way. And I, I think that that's – I wish more of them would stay fighting. I, unfortunately, I think 90, 95 or 98% of everybody that's, that's been stung, when the sting is over, they go away. And there's only a handful of us that, that have – you know, kept the fight going after the after the pain went away. Right. Well, we we have to continue to fight. I, I mean, it's not right what they're doing. Not just us, but Jesus Christ. I mean, it is high time that and they just finally, you know, leave people alone. If they plant, you know, I read an article today saying something. Uh, GW Pharmaceuticals has the first ever FDA approved. Uh, 
cannabis derivative uh, medicine. They're talking about maybe 90 days after this happens, the federal government rescheduling cannabis uh, to schedule two or maybe three. Uh, there's a huge discussion going on about that. Um, the new the report was done yesterday, and it's now just recirculating. I don't know how true that is. It would be a huge help for a lot of people for that to be descheduled. You know, um, Craig Cecil is one that could could benefit from that. Um, you know, it, we as people, it's time that we quit settling and quit being okay with being allowed to be adults. You know, it, it, it's sad, and I said it last week, and I, I, I really dislike that word about being allowed to do something. You know, <laughs> but I, I really, really dislike being allowed. I hear you. I couldn't uh, agree more. Yeah. Go ahead. Look, look at this. Evan did not get caught with any pot. In his car, on his person, and he was charged with a cannabis DUI because we have allowed a legalization bill. We tolerated, well, five nanograms uh, is qualifies and is makes one guilty of possessing cannabis impairment if you're if you're in a position where you have to provide blood for them. So that's, and that's where we are. Yeah, and that's ridiculous. Five nanograms. That's that's horrible. I mean, that's that's not even barely a puff on a, a, a joint. Jesus Christ! Not even a hit on a pipe. And we're well, now we're happy with that. But you see, that's what happens in every place that we've gotten legalization to happen. And I always put the big quotes on it because <coughs> we come at it not boldly, we come at it timidly, and we come at it from a point of view that is cowing to our adversaries the whole way through. And we say, oh, well, it'll be okay because we're going to collect all this tax money and we're going to put that to the schools. Mm -hmm. And then some of the people go, oh, well, okay, that seems good. And then they come back and they say, and we're not going to allow anybody to be driving around high. We're going to have a very tough uh, stance on DUI, and most people say, great, that's a great idea, but they don't know that there isn't really a way to determine if you're high, and I have a way to do it, but everybody says, oh, well, that's too subjective, but we have simulators. We have driving simulators. We have simulators to fly fighter pilot jets. We have simulators to drive ocean liners, yeah. and guess what? If you were to strap yourself in the back of the seat, put on a 3D goggles, and sit in a simulator for 10 minutes, I'm pretty sure that you could determine if somebody was impaired. And yet... That's a good idea, Joe. Well, I, I've been saying it for, for more than a year, and everybody just says, okay, yeah, whatever. But, I mean, wouldn't that fix it? Wouldn't that determine? Look, I don't want people that are screwed up driving. <laughs> Okay, but I don't care what you're screwed up on. I don't care if you're screwed exactly. up on not prescription pills. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Prescription drugs. Anything. Anything. I don't care if you had a peanut allergy right. and you're having a bad reaction, you shouldn't be driving. However, 
I don't care if you smoke pot if you're not impaired enough to drive. If it doesn't hurt your driving, who cares what you're doing? And, and it should be the same for anything. It should be about the action, not about some possession or some uh, ingestion or some percentage of something that doesn't necessarily mean anything. And that's, that's what makes my head want to blow up. Why can't in 2018, where we can put yes. tiny little robots inside your body and deliver medicine to yes. a specific area, why can't we decide and if you're impaired or not. Oh, I don't get it. Uh, because that would go against the paradigm. So see what five nanograms did was it armed the hysteria and and the the reports of drug driving with cannabis. It was right. a de facto look asked him to give evidence against himself. That's the first, that, that, right there, that's the first thing. We, we're right. asking people, there was, no, there was no proof of impairment. There's no proof of impairment with five nanograms. There was no proof of impairment that mitigated the stop to begin with. There would have been none of that. There would have been no video of the child, the, the son, you know, weaving on the road, going off the berm. It would have been none of that. It was a simple traffic stop. I mean, a safety stop because there were no taillights. So, so now what you've done, what's happened, because by fact, by facto that he did smell here, that precipitated the next thing. But how, why should we have to t- give our tell on ourselves that we've consumed cannabis? Wasn't an open joint going in the car? Wasn't baggies of weed anywhere? So we've given no, up I, all of our rights, and now they'll use this to above against us. More drug driving, more drug driving. Look, we said it would happen, and here's what happened. But it's not based in science. Well, and that's just it. We have science that could determine that. If they really wanted to, they could determine impairment. Well, listen, guys, I, I very much am grateful to that both of you have been able to come on. Glenn, I, I I I know those continuance um, roll calls so well. I, I, I went to court all, over 200 times over six years, and probably almost two-thirds of the times that I went to court were continuances. And I drove 70 miles one way to get to court when I did it. And they don't care. They get paid no matter what, and you lose the day no matter what, yep. and that's just how it is. It's part of the system. It's part of the, the, the hamburger grinder yeah. that we all go through and and in the process. Well, right. Amy, yes. I it's the would same. like to – go ahead. It, it's a crazy dance with a different tune, but everybody's going to have to eventually do it if, if they decide to use cannabis and they want to use cannabis in a legal state. Just be prepared and know your rights and know your rules and know the laws. Do your best. Keep on swinging. All right, Glenn. Well, listen, you are chapter coordinator for the Creative Care Beacon chapter in Ohio. How did somebody get a hold of you if they either want to help you or want to be helped by you? Right on. You can find me by going to the chapter uh, page. 
you can find me Glenn Keeling there, or you can just simply give me a call at 419-863-0498. I can't help or give you any kind of information unless you reach out. That's so true, so very true. Well, thank you so much, Glenn, and uh, we'll be talking tomorrow. we got a little board meeting tomorrow, so um, thank you for being here. Amy, um, I very much uh, want to work with you on that project that we just talked about uh, regarding identifying products that are made by uh, prison labor and the companies that um, uh, support them. I mean, we know about Unicor. Um, that's a big prison company, but there are plenty of others. Um, I would like to schedule maybe a conference call or something that we can uh, put a team together and create a Google Doc. And um, this, this isn't going to be a mammoth. It'll be a big project, but it won't be something that the information is there at our fingertips. And I know we can put this together, create an article, a press release, um, or a resource that people can just know. Start a boycott. I like it. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, um, just uh, next week, one day next week, maybe any day after Tuesday. I'm traveling. All right. I'm speaking. I'm at a conference this weekend talking about the ever-changing status, legal status of CBD. So I, I will be glad to pester you. Um, I'll pester you starting Wednesday. How about that? Sounds great. Sounds good. Let's do it. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here, and uh, let's schedule it with your son. Find out what happened. Let me know, and maybe we can have him on next week. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. Uh, you betcha. Amy Case King, folks, uh, she's an advocate. She's a, a warrior. She's um, an educator and, uh, and a good friend. Um, all right, we got 46 minutes left on this show, and I got a lot to talk about still. I'm not going to stop the show until I get to what I came to get to. So um, first thing we're going to do here is we're going to give Creed a minute or two. Um, Creed Leffler has been a friend of the show for, I don't know, about three months now. And um, he put a online petition together, and he's asking us to sign this petition to ask the federal government to take cannabis off of Schedule 1. In my opinion, I think it should be taken off of the schedule, the scheduling system altogether. I don't believe it's a substance that should be scheduled. I don't see any reason for it to be scheduled. Um, however, um, let's start off with get it off, off schedule one for sure. Um, Creed, you are live on the air. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hey. Uh, Bernard, can you read the message? Hi, Cup of Joe with Joe. I'm currently in New York right now, so I can't tell you the exact number of signatures I have. I believe I have 6,694 or 5. If somebody could check on that for me, that would be greatly appreciated. And I've been trying to get a hold of Peter Yeeple if he's on the show. Will you have him call me at least? On Sunday, I will be leaving, and I would like to be interviewed for his TV show. Which we were supposed to do, do, I just haven't had the opportunity to talk to him about when. 
Well, Pete is is um, listening right now, and um, I will get your information to him, and I will get his information to you. And I can't speak mm-hmm. for what's going on his shows, but I know he does. Um, he will be taping the show coming up, so I don't see why it couldn't happen if you guys can get in the same place. I think it would be great. Yes, my information. Can you put him on the line really quick? I will. I'm going to put Pete Yapel up right now. And here you go, Pete. You are live with Creed Leffler, and he's trying to get a hold of you so that we yeah, can... Creed uh, tried to, Creed, Creed tried to call me today, but uh, Creed, I just want to apologize I didn't get back to you today. I have been up and down the east seaboard in the last shoot four days i uh, put 3,000 miles on my car and haven't stopped running it's not like i haven't uh, uh tried to get in touch with you but i will get i will call you tomorrow Creed. we definitely are going to work something out i already had told you that previous we definitely were going to work something out with you being on the show well i'm leaving on sunday leaving on sunday yeah, I, I know, I know, Creed. I work 24 hours and seven days a week, brother. I try to take about a half hour a day to sleep because my wife makes me. But other than that, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm kind of like always doing something, brother. So believe me, I will get you in the schedule. That I promise. Excellent, excellent. Thanks, Pete. All right, Pete. Well, I, I'm going to bring you back up, Pete, in a little bit. Um, yeah, take I've got, yeah, yeah. I, I've got. Uh, Becca doing something, and then um, and then uh, and then you'll be up next. Well, Creed, I yeah, think I'm we saw. Yeah, I just yeah. As long as he knows, I'm not. I haven't forgot him, Joe. I'm just been. I just been crazy busy, man. That's all. It's all good. It's all good. All right, Pete. I'm gonna uh, put you back on on uh, in the blue room and. Um, <laughs> He's in the green room. Yeah, no, it's the blue room on, on this. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, Creed. Anyways, um, also just so you know. Um, I just shared your um, petition with, um, I have a live feed going on on YouTube right now, and um, there's an advocacy group called Bleeding Kansas, and they're going to be sharing your petition on their site as well. That's going to happen. Right now on your petition, you have 6,691 signatures. All right, so that's. And you've got three new signatures today, so that's uh, that's the latest update. Yeah, Creed. All right. Thank you very much, Creed. I look forward to talking to you next week, and um, as soon as you get that interview, we'll be able to watch that as well. All right. All right. Thank you very much, Creed Leffler, folks. All right. Okay, so. Uh, last week we began sort of a visualization journey, and um, the amazing Becca um, ditched us the last two weeks. But <laughs> she's here this week, Becca! and she's promised to, uh, to to give us a little tool to help with stress and anxiety. And um, Becca is one of these amazing people who works really hard in the background and isn't somebody who um, is necessarily even comfortable in the spotlight in any way, shape, or form. Um, but she 
is one of these people that every once in a while I say, too bad, we need you. <laughs> and uh, so she's going to share some of her brilliance with us right now. And without any further ado, Becca Nichols, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, Lisa. So, tell us what you got. I've got a really, really simple um, mindful exercise using our five senses. And um, it's a great exercise for, like you said, if you're feeling anxiety or anything like that, or even if you're frustrated, pissed off, in pain, you can do it anywhere. It only takes like two minutes. And it's really useful. That sounds great. Because I think too many of us are focused on the past and the future and not enough on the present. So those will bring me back to the present. I like the present a lot. Let's do it. Me too. All right. I encourage everybody that's listening to do it. I'll give you time to do it as I go through it, okay? And I'll put it up on this show so everybody can remember how it goes. Okay. The first thing we do is we just notice five things around us. Um, it's really good to try to notice five things that maybe you don't normally notice. Try a little harder to look around you and see five things. Okay. And the next one is going to be feel, touch. So we want to reach out. Even it could even be the air on your skin and touch four things that you can touch and, and really pay attention to how they feel in your hand and the sensation and and then next we're going to use our ears so notice three things that you can hear it can be a car refrigerator running an air conditioner anything like that just really tune in and listen to the sounds that we tend to block out three sounds <laughs> and then the next thing is smell so notice two things that you can smell a lot of us filter out smells around us that we just are used to so try to really focus and parse out a couple different scents or smells and the last one is taste Notice one thing you can taste. I always recommend coffee. Yeah. That's me. Too. <laughs> <laughs> or it can just be what's in your mouth. It can be anything. Take a sip of something nice. All right, here's my kombucha. Kombucha, yeah. Yeah. And it's that simple. You can really do it in your car. You can do it anywhere. But it really grounds you and brings you back. It's really good for anxiety. I like that. I think you're absolutely right. The awareness is something that uh, we lose track of. I think, you know, like I said, I see all these zombies walking around like this all day long, staring at their phones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't know who's in front of them. They don't know who's around them. Uh, or or you got people with headphones on listening yep. to something. But that's all they're aware of is that something. And then, again, there's no... You're in a timeless place at that point. There is no present or past or future. It's just that moment that whatever it is they're doing. And um, there's 
there's an awareness exercise kind of similar to that, but it's about acknowledging where you are at in that moment and, and acknowledging mm-hmm. what you're doing. And, and even, you know, I'm on the air talking to people or I'm picking up a cup of coffee, I'm drinking the coffee, and just acknowledging those things that you're actually doing. And you come to realize, um, you know, the sensory experiences as a result of giving it acknowledgement. So I'm, I'm a daily walker. I take about an hour-long walk every day, and I practice this on my walks. Because you don't realize all the birds around you, the leaves, everything that's around you. It's a great walking meditation in particular, yep. I think. No, I think absolutely. Or, or, or camping, being anywhere that yeah. uh, anywhere that, that you're outside of your normal you know, office space or bedroom or wherever you spend the most amount mm-hmm. of time, being outside of that and, and being aware of of that experience. I think it's powerful because the things that are happening that we're trying to change are happening in the present. They're happening here and now. And yeah, yeah. We're living in these worlds where people are, you know what they did, or, oh, we're going to do this sometime. And neither of those things are relevant today, and what does matter is what are we doing now? <laughs> what are we doing about it? And, and I think that, you know, like I said, and, and, and how does it affect us and everybody around each other? I think a lot of people, too, they act without thinking how it affects even the person nearest to them. Um, there's a lot of just horribly selfish behavior that I see out there. And I think a lot uh, of it's a lack of mindfulness. We're all so go, go, go in the U.S. in particular, and we're all so worried about what happened and regrets and guilt, and we're all worried about what's going to happen in the future, but none of us are paying attention to what's happening now. That's I agree. a big issue. Well, I think that that's definitely um, a very valuable lesson, and I, 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 I think we should uh, continue discussion on it as we move along. Um, you know, down this journey that we're on, um, I, I think it's important. Well, thank you so much, Becca. Well, if everybody's uh, open to it, I actually, next week or the week after, I have a meditation I want to try. It's a Tonglin. It's a Tonglin meditation. It's Tibetan, but it's all about um, increasing compassion, which I think is another thing that's lacking. Compassion to ourselves, compassion to others, compassion in general. And so I think I'd like to try I, that. I think if we had more compassion... I think we'd have more unity um, mm-hmm. and, you know, sympathy, empathy, compassion, all those mm-hmm. things together tend to bring people together rather than divide them. So yep. um, I think that anything that would support any of those things would be good. Well, thank awesome. you so much, Becca. I'm I'm very uh, pleased with with the outcome, and I'm gonna uh, take it with me. I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time with that. So. Um, Good. Thank you, Becca. I look forward to the next one. <laughs> Give me more. Give okay. me more. Okay. Right. Give me a series. With a very useful little tool, and uh, it was simple. It was something that you will not have any trouble remembering, and uh, I, I think it's extremely valuable. So I'm going to walk through again. We talk about the present. And we create the future in our present. We create the future in our minds. We create the future with our thoughts, with our with our dreams, with our visualization, and with our desires. 
all at the same time, and we can put those things all together um, in the same place, and we can we can think about something, and we can see it, and we can smell it, and hear it, and taste it, and and take all those sensory uh, perceptions and apply them to a vision, and then throw into it a little bit of passion. We can do anything, and I mean it. We can really actually do anything, and there's not a limit to that. And we do need to go for a walk outside and experience the outside and just relax. Absolutely. Taking these walks is really important. Those people that do it, um, I'm sure, recognize the value. But I want to paint a picture of, of a world that will tell me that um, my work with the Human Solution and its mission to end prohibition will be finished. And we'll be working on something else. Maybe we'll work on slavery or hunger or homelessness or poverty or there's a number of things we can work on, disease, all kinds of things that are still wrong with the world even after cannabis prohibition is over. However, cannabis prohibition is so oppressive and so wrong in so many ways and most people just don't get it and and, and we spend so much time doing things that aren't ever going to get us to it. And I, and I want to think about that as we're, as we're considering uh, putting a lot of time and effort into creating or passing a bill um, or a petition or whatever it is that we're doing to make change the way we see that we need to. I, I want to ask you this. Is it going to get you to this place? And in this place, I wake up in the morning and I look out my window and I see pot plants because they're there because they can be there. They're in my front yard. They might be in my backyard. And there might be 10 of them. There might be 20 of them. There might be a whole field of them in the back there. Um, I wake up without any anxiety because I have those plants. I don't worry about those plants. And, and I worry about their well-being I worry about, did they get water? Did they get food? Do they have bugs? Is there anything that I can do to make them happier? But I'm not worried that I might get arrested because they're there. I think that that's something, if we can get to that place, and it, and it doesn't matter what that number is. Maybe you just want to grow one plant. Maybe your neighbor wants to grow 20. Maybe your other neighbor wants to grow them, but they can't, but they need you to grow them for them, and he needs 42. So what? It's okay. Yes. And then I go into a room where there is cannabis drying, and there's row after row after row. Maybe it's a warehouse. Maybe there's maybe there's 5,000 square feet of racks and rows with cannabis flowers drying on them. And again, I don't worry. I'm not thinking about I hope I don't get busted. I don't think about maybe somebody's going to rat me out. I don't think about the consequences of that. I think about is my humidity right? Is my airflow right? Is my temperature right? Is this crop going to dry right so that it will be good quality? I might think about that. And then I think about walking into a lab where I'm making extracts, 
maybe a dozen different ways. Maybe I've got one kind of way over here and one kind of way over there, one kind of way over there. Maybe I'm using them all. Maybe I have every way there is to extract cannabis. And it's in this room. And again, I'm not worried about it because I don't have to worry about this being a crime. I have worries about is my equipment working, general worries that I might have about anything. But I'm not worried about am I going to get caught because it's not a problem. And then I go to another room where I have made things out of these extracts, and I take these things and I put them in a box and I put them in the mail and I ship them anywhere. And I don't think about it. I don't worry about it because it's not a problem, again. And then I go to a store. Maybe it's a market. Maybe it's a... Maybe it's a drugstore, maybe it's a farmer's market. It doesn't really matter. And in, on the shelves, I see products that are made with this plant. Yep. And they might be soaps and they might be, um, you know, headache pills. They might be uh, juice. It might be whatever. Pet products. It doesn't matter. It's just like everything else. And it's not more expensive than other things that are like it, and it's not taxed ridiculously. And I don't have to have a letter from my doctor that says I can have it, and I don't have to be 21, and I don't have to go to a certain store, and I don't have to worry about um, having any amount or not enough. And I might have a store myself, or I might make things that are in other people's stores. And again, all these things don't matter because it's just like other things. It's just like other plants. It's just like other herbs. It's just like other medicines. It's not treated differently. Um, I would see effects that are profound, like there would be a more general knowledge about what this plant can do, not because we're going to know specifically, scientifically, because, frankly, uh, it's too complex. Everybody who claims that they know this is doing that, this is doing that, I call bullshit. I call bullshit because you don't know what all the other parts are doing. You can't because there's too many of them, and you don't know because we don't even know what they are. We don't know what most of the components of cannabis are. So how dare you say, I know this works because of that. You can't, and you don't. But we know that it works, and we know that it can't hurt you. Can't that be enough? Can't that be enough right now? Can't we just study the effects of certain things across groups of people and get a general knowledge? We would have that if we didn't have prohibition. So I see those things, and I want those things really bad. And I can't imagine that if enough of us didn't see that or if you've got to add something to it, I welcome you to. I welcome you to add to that because that's what's going to make this vision work. And if we can see it, does your law that you're supporting going to give you that? Because none of ours did. None of the ones that have passed have done that. Not one. Not one. And the other thing I see, and it's hard to see a knot, but I can see a knot. I can see that everybody that is in cannabis, in prison for cannabis or cannabis-related at all, ever, isn't there anymore. 
I got a question here. Why is it not a problem for you, but a problem for others? I'm not sure that I understand that. But if somebody has a problem with this, I would think that it would have to affect them to have a problem with it. And if something I do affects somebody else, that's not the plant's fault. That's me being an asshole. And if I'm being an asshole, then I should have a problem. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be any crimes that cannabis couldn't be a part of. If you steal somebody's cannabis, you should be, you're a criminal. If you offend somebody by, you know, stinking them out in a, in a profound way, you shouldn't, you're a nuisance. And, and there are examples of other things like that that would apply. So obviously, or not, maybe not obviously, but in my opinion, this plant by itself should not be a crime because it has never hurt anybody. And if somebody believes that it has, I think to myself that there are people that are susceptible and sensitive and allergic to this plant, and they should keep away from it. And there are people that have hugely addictive problems, and they're going to be addicted to something, and if this is something that causes them harm, then they shouldn't do it. But it shouldn't be unlawful, and that's what we're talking about. I, I hope that that explains that, and I, I don't know that I understood the question right, but I do welcome you to call in, 646-929-2495. If you um, have a question, I'm going to try to answer all the questions that come up, but um, we're getting a lot of them that are popping up on, on the YouTube feed, and I'm grateful for that. Um, all right, so, oh, we lost Pete. Okay, well, Pete's been going through a lot and uh, been working like a dog, and I know that um, he has not taken any time to himself, even though he just went on a little vacation. I know he was pretty much working through it all, and so if he doesn't have uh, any time to uh, to come back on, at least we got to talk to him for a minute. He's one of the hardest working people that I've ever known. Um, so now I'm going to get to something that's a little bit uh, maybe unpleasant to listen to, um, but this is something that has to do with the human solution, and the human solution is an organization that I've been a part of, that I've founded, that I've been the CEO and president of for the better part of 10 years. And uh, we're about to have elections, and um, we've talked virtually every week. There isn't any substantial changes to the nominees this, this week. But there has been an influx of membership, and I am grateful for that. And I know there's a bunch of people that are um, preparing to sign up as members. Um, if you are an active member, you get a vote. If you have been a member um, for two years or are actively engaged in such a way that would waive you from that, you can run for any of our leadership positions. Um, we're going to be having this election in approximately one month, a little bit more probably, but within within six weeks for sure. Uh, within the next two to three weeks, there's going to be the cutoff period for nominations. And I wholeheartedly, every week I talk about this, and every week I talk about really wanting to get everybody engaged and involved in this process. Um, 
it's an amazing organization, and I'm I'm telling stories about how we came to be where we are today, um, and they're very important stories because, again, we are the sum total of our experiences. We are the sum total of our actions, and um, the human solution has been through a lot, and I think it's important for people who have, who are new to us um, understand where we came from. We have a history. We have a, a rich history that's covered a lot of ground and, and, and a, a lot of cases and a lot of people. And um, so as we're coming up to elections, I'm not only trying to bring awareness to <laughs> the organization, um, but I'm also trying to make sure that um, there isn't anything that's keeping anybody away. And I, I've discovered that, especially through social networking and, and you know, the Internet and fake news and all of this fun stuff, it's very difficult to bring people together. And it's very easy to divide them and disperse them. And I think about that, and I think about what would cause somebody to do something that would be divisive. What would cause somebody to do something that would uh, attempt to damage somebody who's a leader or, or you know, in a, in, a, in a leadership role? What would cause that? And I have been paying a lot of attention to um, some lessons on, on the brain and, and neuroscience and, and uh, sociology and, and just trying to understand what makes people do what they do. And, and I, I have this crazy brain that just doesn't stop until things start to make sense. And there's been some things that have happened over the years that have just not made sense. And I've put them aside because they weren't important. Um, but I'm in a period of my life right now where things are starting to come together and start to work in a way that they haven't for a long time because of going through a pot case for six years and fighting the government and losing everything and getting burnt to the ground and standing my ground and continuing on. And, and now we're at a point where uh, we've continued on and, 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 and we're gaining on it. We're, we're making real progress. And in my life, I'm finally able to breathe a little bit for the first time in a while. And as I'm personally moving forward in, in my personal life, my business life, my spiritual life, my family life, all the little facets that are very much intertwined as they are for everybody, I've come to a place of house cleaning. And uh, I've, I've come to find things that don't work rather distasteful, and I've come to find relationships that are less than productive or less than wholesome or less than um, symbiotic at very least uh, to be very distasteful, and I've, I've done some house cleaning recently, and I've, I've kicked a bunch of people to the curb, not because of a single action or incident, but because of a, a way of being. And you know, there are people that when you see them, you're uplifted and you smile and you feel um, 
you feel that you're, you're getting something from even seeing them. And then there's people that every time you see them, you, you cringe and you, you close your eyes and you go, oh, maybe they won't see me. And typically those people are people that take and they're vampires and they, they're, they're spirit suckers. and they, You all know what I'm talking about. And, and there are people that are needy, but giving at the same time. And those are relationships that require some effort, but are worth it, important. Uh, there's give and take in every relationship. In this organization, it's very much like a lot of relationships, very much like a family relationship. And there are there's this core body of members, and we're here for a purpose together, and our purpose is to, in prohibition, stand up for victims that are, that are suffering because of the drug, the drug war and other issues, but civil rights, human rights issues. And then there are people who come to us and say, can you help? And those people that say, can you help, sometimes are only takers, and they want help in the sense of can you give me money or can you give me a lawyer or can you um, whatever. And what we found is that most of the time um, those people generally don't want to help themselves. Um, if you don't help them, you will be a bad person because you didn't help them. If you help them a little but not enough, you'll be a bad person. There's almost no way of getting out of that spot once you help somebody who it doesn't want to help themselves and isn't willing to put an effort in. But if you find somebody that wants help and genuinely wants to better themselves and they see that you have an experience that has been through what they've been through and is connected to people all over the country, all over the world that care, there's potentially an answer here. There's a solution. And that solution is a very human solution, and that's what we are. And so as we've gone through the last 10 years, there have been a lot of different kind of people. And I'm going to, over the course of the next several episodes, expand on that, the types of people that have come in, the types of advocates, the types of – you can – over time, you can characterize them. You could probably create a caricature of them if you are an artist or whatnot. You could you could portray their traits in a particular way that would be fairly accurate, more than likely. And as this has been happening, I've been paying attention, and I've I've, I've had to call out a few of my so-called friends or business relationships or other types of relationships and call them to task and, and, and say, look, you know, we're supposed to be doing this, but you're doing that. And a few times I'm possibly going to be severing some relationships over this. But frankly, I'd rather have less good relationships than more bad relationships. And that's just my personal choice. Um, but the same thing goes true with this organization. There was a time when our goal was to be as big as we could, and we had chapters all over the country, and we had, anytime there was a case, we threw a chapter up, and, 
And what happened was we're a very grassroots organization. We always have been. And what happened was the chapter would get going, and in many cases, and I, I've seen this in other types of organizations, so it really has nothing to do with our organization. It has to do with people and groups and volunteers, and it's a dynamic. But what always seemed to happen, and not every time, but many times, I should say, when a chapter would get going and get going healthy and get a lot of people in it, um, there would come a point where there would be a conflict. And the conflict was usually a personal conflict. And the conflict was usually a leader being pitted between two people that were having a problem. And what would often happen is personal things would become business things. And the, we're, we're an organization. We're technically a business, even though we're all volunteer and we're not here to make money. We don't make money generally. But we act as a business. We're a corporation. We're a California nonprofit. We have to follow certain rules. And what I found was that the problems that came in every one of these groups were the same kind of problems that would happen in a family, the same kind of problems that would happen in a church, the same kind of problems that would happen in a school if, if, a, if a school was, you know, together in a hospital, the politics of a hospital. Anytime you have a group of people with leadership and all the other types of relationships, you have these personal issues. And what inevitably would happen, a leader would become full of themselves and, and start becoming a petty dictator, and ultimately that wouldn't last uh, because, again, we're all here on our free will. We're all here because we want to be here, and we're all here supposedly for the same reasons. That would happen. The second thing that might happen would be there would be an ulterior agenda. Um, we're here to educate and support, and that's it. We're here to uh, show up and help each other. We're here to bring awareness. We're here to end prohibition. Anything else, that's not why we're here. But people would come in, and the next thing you know, there's this other thing, and they'd be pulling to the right or pulling to the left, and there would inevitably be problems. The next thing that would happen would be money would get involved. All of a sudden, we'd be doing fundraisers for no specific purpose. And the next thing you know, somebody would put a bunch of money into an event, and then they'd want to get compensated for it, but we didn't have money to pay for it, and there was a problem. Or money got raised, but it wasn't earmarked for anything, and it was supposed to go to the general fund, but somebody had it in their mind it was supposed to do something else. The next thing you know, oh, they took money, they did it, whatever. As a result, we pretty much pulled out of fundraising. It just was always more trouble than it was worth. Um, and then the fourth thing, which is the saddest, is people would get scorned. And in these relationships, you have a lot of, of, of what I would call damaged people, we're all damaged people, but, but people that have, have gone through something traumatic, something that was um, difficult, and they would have a sensitivity, and there would be a leader that would be kind, and that would be uh, sensitive, and that would be... Um, uh, sympathetic, maybe empathetic, and they would become close. 
And what happens to people when they come close is sometimes one sees things different than the other, and sometimes it turns into a romantic interest, sometimes it turns into an intellectual interest, sometimes it turns into some kind of a spiritual connection, but there become these bonds that get formed. And people's general nature is that when another person comes around and starts to get close, they find it threatening, and they become uh, jealous is probably a too broad of a word, but they act jealous, and they act petty, and they act like little children, and they, they lash out, and they cause problems, and the people uh, act like they're scorned. or, 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 or um, And when people get that way, oftentimes they do things that are destructive, and they do things that are harmful, and they do things without being aware, maybe, of what they're doing to everybody around. But what they truly do is divisive because it's unpleasant and it's uncomfortable and it makes people leave. And I've watched it happen over and over and over and over again to so many chapters across the country, so much so that we finally decided it's better to have fewer chapters and have really good, solid people willing to dig in and weather this crap and not put up with it than to have 45 chapters across the country doing whatever and being susceptible to these kind of problems. Now, we're always able to grow as needed whenever there's a need. We are grassroots. We're organic. We can happen. We can happen in a drop of a hat. I can manifest a chapter in no time. I know how to do it. We know how to do it. But do we need that to run this boat? No, we don't. And I, I think that that's one of the things that's, that's happened. And, I, and I'm going to tell a story today, and I don't care if I have Yay. to go 20 minutes long, I'm going to address this. And we're going to get to Georgia, we're going to get to Pete, we're going to get to Tom. And after everybody's talked, I'm going to tell this story. Yay. Today it will happen. And we're going to put this dog to rest. So, again, the point of this is we're doing some house cleaning. And I want you all to think about these things. What would cause you to want to cause harm to somebody who's supposed to be on the same team? What would cause what would what would what would cause that? Ignorance. And to me, I think there's reasons for that. I think there's people who generally are not good people. I think there's people who have selfish reasons that they act and they would do things to lash out to protect their selfish interests. I also think there's agent provocateurs. I think there's a lot of them. I think there's more than we realize. I don't think they even recognize that they are that. But an agent provocateur is somebody who gets embedded into an organization or a group or a mindset and plants seeds of doubt and causes little problems and then walks away and watches the havoc happen. And I think there's a lot of people that fit that bill. And whether they're sinister or, or ignorant or... Um, some combination, doesn't really matter. What matters is that they're there, and if we recognize them, good people can stand together and weather this kind of crap. Um, think about this. Just about all of us has somebody that owes them money or something, owes them something. Borrowed a book, never returned it, um, whatever. There's, there's, you know, we're all, virtually everybody that I know is owed something by somebody. Mm -hmm. I'm owed a lot by a lot of people, mm -hmm. and I finally had it. 
I've called notes due, I've called debts due, and I don't care anymore if the friendship is damaged because it was never a friendship. If you can't honor what you say, who are you? What, what kind of a person are you that doesn't do what they say? And so, but think about this, and, and I think that this is important because we all come from the same place. You don't loan money to somebody you don't trust. We don't do unto others unless we trust them that they're not going to cause us harm. And I think that most of the harm that comes to us as individuals or us as a group comes from somebody that at one point was a trusted person. And I think to myself, what breaks that trust so much so that somebody's willing to breach their integrity, that they're willing to um, not do the thing they said they were going to do? And I'm, I'm trying to solve some of those things. And, and uh, the story that I tell is I don't have an answer to it, but I'm going to tell it and give an opportunity for it to be resolved and then it goes to bed, and then it stays to bed, and I will not deal with it again after this. So um, I know that some of that was rambling. I hope that it was cohesive enough that's going to be the prelude to the story I'm going to tell in a little bit. We're going to go along. We've got three minutes left of the show. I, I'm going to tell you right now this show is probably going to go 20 to 25, 20 to 30 minutes long, and it's just the way it's going to be. So we got uh, Pete Yaple. Uh, actually, I'm going to put George Martorano on because sometimes he doesn't have um, a good signal and um, he always has something good to say. George Martorano, you are live on the air. Welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. Hey, my brother. I've been listening to you. And uh, you're right. Uh, you know, when someone uh, uh, has to do the right, got nothing to do about uh, what he read to do, what somebody told him to do, it has to be within himself to do the right thing. And if it's not within himself, it usually comes out bad. So and that's that's been a flaw of human nature for the for centuries. You know, you have to you have to be honest to yourself before you could be honest to your neighbor. So I totally I, I, told, I totally agree. I totally agree. But anyway, tonight I'd like to uh, talk about, I just left the Hempfest Festival, and uh, we had a great time, uh, even though we had uh, we had an uh, awful lot of uh, uh, smog from fire coming down from Canada. It was so bad at the Hempfest Festival that in the middle of the afternoon, if you looked up at the sun, it just looked like an orange moon. You can look directly at the sun, that's how much... Smoke was coming into that city. It's, it's just sad. I think all along uh, between Canada and the Western Seaboard, we're on fire. The country, our country's on fire. I mean, uh, if that if that isn't a global warming sign, I don't know what is. But anyway, uh, we I went out there. I spoke on several stages, and um, I believe uh, CBD's uh, uh, very well known, and I hope uh, out there very well known, and I hope to. Uh, it's going to be coming east. Uh, Joe's products were very popular out there. WillowCreekSprings.com. And, uh, and uh, you know, it, help, it helps so many. It helps so many. And uh, I just had dinner tonight, and a friend of mine called me aside, and his wife's very ill from cancer. And uh, 
he had just heard about CBDs and his wife's been through a terrible medical, you know, months and months of medical situations with the cancer therapy. And the people, people want a new direction. They want help. So, uh, you know, this radio show brings a lot of that. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just, again, like I said on my previous shows, communicate. You have to communicate. You have to talk. You have to talk to help each other. And um, what I what I like about Seattle, what I like about Seattle, you know, Seattle is, uh, has the third uh, third uh, largest uh, homeless uh, population in America. And I've seen it because even though it was long days out there, I was up very early running through the streets, and you see so many, so many young and old uh, so many homeless, and, you know, we have in our city, but it was very, very prominent out in Seattle. I guess, you know, the warmer weather uh, has more problems with the homeless. I think this weekend they're even having a homeless homeless uh, fest to, you know, raise money to help to help the people. But uh, I think, you know, any any direction we look at in America, north, south, east, or west, there's, there's an array of problems, but the uh, I just got back in town. I'm going back in town a short time, and already I'm uh, I'm being uh, I'm having a meeting arranged with the mayor's office. Finally, they're listening to me about my program, Cannabis for Guns, because uh, our city's off the chain, like the south side of Chicago, and I'll be heading up there. I think I got a meeting in Chicago with the mayor's office up there for Cannabis for Guns. So, you know, being being uh, new new and innovative in any type of program like Human Solutions and this radio show is important. We have to do new things. We nothing's working. I mean, South Side of Chicago. I mean, it's it's a third world, a violent third world country. Actually, it's a violent third world country right in America, and Philly's second to that. The shootings are unbelievable. I mean, matter of fact, uh, I did an interview uh, with a woman uh, in a in, uh, in a very poor neighborhood. And the older, older woman, uh, you know, grandmother, and the only thing she has in her life is she likes to sit out in front of her home in the evening. And guess what she had under her chair, her beach chair where she sat, ladies and gentlemen? She had a bulletproof vest. Oh, jeez. She had a bulletproof vest under her chair, and she says, Mr. George, I keep this so when I shoot and I lay, it, I lay it against my chest. I hope I don't get hit in the leg or the head. This is an American. Wow. This is America where grandmother has to come out of her home with the bulletproof vest. She said her, her one of her relatives gave her the vest. So, you know, uh, there's going to be always be diversity. There always there always going to be troubles from individuals bringing it to your life. But you have to stay strong. You have to stay straight. You have to be here and do the best you can with the little you have. All of a sudden, the mayor's offices in two cities want to meet with me about Cannabis for Guns program. You can see that, ladies and gentlemen, www.cannabisforguns.com. I've been talking about it on this show now almost two years, two years. So, you know, just you know, do the best you can, everyone out there, do the best you can, communicate with the little you have, like Joe does with his, his group. Thank you, Joe. All right. Thank you so much, George. And we have a lot of new listeners on today, and um, George Martirano is a man who served 32 years in federal prison. How many? And you you heard that right, 32 years in federal prison for pot. This is a nonviolent offense. There was no 
uh, murder, there was no assault, there was no robbery, there was no victim in this case. And yet George spent 32 years. He would have served life if he hadn't have fought every second of the day that he was in there and found his way out. He wouldn't have gotten out any other way. President Obama didn't pardon him, and there wasn't any petition that got him out. George fought, and he got himself out. And, again, this is an incredible individual, and George is a testament to the things that we're talking about, the things that we're fighting for. There is no law, there is no, there's nothing that you can say that would justify putting a man behind bars for 32 years for pot. It wouldn't matter how much pot he had. It wouldn't matter how many plants he had. It wouldn't matter how much money he had. None of that would matter. It could not warrant 32 years behind bars. Yeah. But George, well, actually, go ahead. Actually, Joe, my 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 government scrutinization was 35 years because I got out in 32 plus. But then I, you know, nobody gets out of federal prison without being on parole, probation, right. whatever. But I, I just got off a little while ago. But for 35 years, I'm a human being, okay, an American. For 35 years, the government had their hooks in me. You, ladies and gentlemen, do you know what, it looked, what it's like to live in fear for 35 years? What country does that but us? America. Set me in fear for 35 years. And it's, it's, it's inhumane. I, I lived through it. Did the best I can with the little I have. I made myself known to the world by hard copy short stories and poetry. So uh, am I am I someone to be uh, to be looked up to? No, I think I believe better men than women have died in, died in prison better than I. But you, what the message is: stay strong. You're like Joe with the Human Solutions his radio show. You know, Joe doesn't have to do this every week. He's busy. He's working. He has a family to take care of. But he, when I stay with Joe, <laughs> he, he, and I'm out there enjoying myself, and he looked me dead in the eye and said, hey, got a radio show to do tonight. You know, I didn't want to do it. I was having a ball. I was roaming the hills and enjoying myself. But he's a dedicated man. He has a good family, Liz and uh, Kathy Z and everyone out there, uh, Lisa and his sister Elizabeth and, and D.D. Kirkwood. I mean, just amazing people. And I'm I'm with I'm with I'm with I'm with you, Joe, and the human solutions to the wheels come off, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Joe. Uh, I know you got other people on. I'll see you next yep, week. Yeah, we're running over time today, so thank you for being here. All right, all right, George, All right, George I'll be calling. Excellent. I look forward to it. All right, we got Pete Yapel up, um, and again, Pete's been Pete's been running. He makes me look like a lazy man. That's all I can say. Um, he He's working so hard as an advocate, um, and he's got his own health issues. He figured out public access TV. He's running multiple shows um, just all over the place, running a, a, a chapter up in New York. Um, I, I don't know I don't know how he does it. I mean, I, I'm a pretty busy guy, but, again, Pete makes me look like I'm sitting still. Welcome to the show, Pete. Um, we're we're on overtime right now, um, but I 
I do want to get to the end of the show, but I I, I got a story I'm still going to tell before the show's over. So um, how how is it going besides insane? Absolutely, like you said, just insane, Joe. And like I got tomorrow, kind of got ex- – <clears throat> I call it a day off because I don't have like 100 miles of driving and 100 people to see on top of everything else that I normally do. But uh, got a day off before we do this three-day concert in uh, Marlboro, New York here, Mastock, uh this weekend. We're, we're going to be there. Uh, can we talk TV? Doing that for three days straight, so I got 72 hours, and I feel like Jerry Lewis in the, <laughs> in the Labor Day Marathon. You better weekend, give your but, voice a rest. You, uh, you're not going to have one by the time you're done. No, I'll be fine. Well, yeah, listen, you, I, I'm going to tell you tonight, uh, I'll be short, but I just love the show tonight. Uh, Amy Case King, someone I speak to, like, regularly, regularly. Man, you want to talk about somebody who does work, I, and I talk about her all the time. This lady does work, people, um, and and she's really somebody that if you don't know Amy Case King, please get to know her. Uh, she She's an amazing lady, and she does. She works from the top of the food chain down. I, I, I love her for that. George, I've had the pleasure to meet. What a humble, incredible man that guy is. 35 years in jail. He says he isn't someone to look to. Please. You know, we go to the, we go through Glenn and Peggy, what they're going through. All these people that are on on today, these people are amazing human beings. They're thankless. They're on here, and they're still speaking for everyone else. Uh, you know, I said I, by this week felt the most unfree than I ever have. You know, I drove the whole I drove the whole East Coast. You know with my medicine in my pocket, you know, and I, and I had to be scared to death. I was going to go to jail cause I want to stay alive. You know, is that, is that, is that, is that a country that, that everybody envisions us living in? I mean, or, or thinks America to be that just because I'm a sick man and make a choice to choose cannabis as my treatment over everything else, I could go to prison for a very long time for just the medicine I had in my pocket. Not to get high, not to have a good time, <laughs> to stay alive and be here once a week to talk on the Cup of Joe and my radio show. You know, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I, I got, I, I, it's, it's crazy. I never felt so unfree, you know. Um, not that Joe or anybody that knows me knows that it matters to me because I, I believe wherever I am, cannabis is, <laughs> is free. I believe cannabis is is illegal if that's the word people like to use uh but but cannabis will be used by me in any form that i choose from now until the day that i die because it keeps me alive and if people can't swallow that oh well that's on them uh please guys uh keep up the fight get in these letter writing programs if you can if you know of a case point them to us that's why we're here you know, again, we don't pay for lawyers. We don't do things like that, but we do more important things. You know, 240 letters being delivered, you know, to one prosecutor and a judge. I mean, believe me, that speaks and moves mountains uh, more so than people notice. Don't be on Facebook posting worrying about what you need to take so that you can pass a drug test at work. Learn what you need to do so that we don't have to take drug tests at work. I mean, uh, why, again, like Joe was saying, why do we always just settle anymore? And why is it always just, 
when we're looking at things like, oh, five plants is good, or this is, oh, please, come on. Because then when you get five plants and everybody's all happy for two minutes, and literally it's two minutes after the law is passed, and they read or somebody gets busted under the new law, that they realize they signed crap law again. There's no reason for there to be law on the cannabis plant. Nobody should be in jail for it. Everybody just keep on fighting, guys. I mean, you know, some of us go until, like, I had to call back the show today because my phone ran out of battery. I don't run out of battery, but my phone even ran out of battery. So, you know, like I'm saying, let's just all keep plugging, 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 man. Eventually, we're going to win this fight. Eventually, like everybody else, we'll be able to look out our windows at cannabis plants like Joe does with no worry because it's a cannabis plant. He's got other worries, yes, but gosh, he can have a cannabis plant growing outside his window for Christmas sake. You know, I, I can't even have it in my pocket in any form and not have to worry about some kind of penalty. So, I, I, I mean, that, that's not America. That's not freedom. And uh, please, guys, uh, let's just get on board and do what you can. That's all I got to say. We've got elections coming up. Please, everybody, look into the candidates. We've got some great people running and uh, some great positions that are already filled that people have to be pretty stellar to take over. So um, let's just. Excellent. Thank you so much, Pete. Have somebody get a hold of you. Uh, Canawetalk420.com or 845-522-3162. That's my personal number. But I get back to you within an hour normally if you, if you do give me a call. Appreciate your time, Joe, on every week, man, everything you do, brother. And it's always a pleasure working with you, and I'll talk to you at the meeting in the morning. You betcha. Thank you very much. Pete Yapel, folks, solidarity over separation in New York, the Human Solution International. All right, we got Tom Corby, and then we're going to tell the final story of the night in overtime. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Joe, Lisa, Mary, uh, all those on the front line coming together and and prohibition. I've almost lost my voice. As George pointed out, uh, we're burning up, and I'm thankful that <coughs> that we're out of the fire path. But uh, we, the smoke inhalation is really getting to many people. So we t- always talk about staying hydrated and staying inside more. And then I heard you got some rain down here, Joe. Is that right? Yeah, in my own backyard, but nowhere else. <laughs> it, I don't know how it happened, but it rained right over our head and, and for about a half an hour washed everything clean and uh, watered all the plants for a minute. So I was I was tickled, but a mile from my house, it was dry. Yeah, I read your post. That's what we need. And then <laughs> they're flooded in the east and we're burning up in the south. In the West, so we got to get some kind of balance here. <laughs> the man above. I hear it. <laughs> but we talk about ignorance, and then silence is not always golden, folks. Uh, unless you've been regimented Randall rights. Otherwise, if we just stay silent and we allow this ignorance and uh, uh, the cannabis, uh, the real word for cannabis being distorted into marijuana. I made up a song to scare you and reap madness. We talked about it many times, how a controlled substance act was illegal in the first place, and they're all making money on it. So we always, our mindset is to educate, not incarcerate. 
and uh, in Prohibition always. We all are POW. Uh, I have an update on, on, on uh, Team Putin. Uh, they they're getting uh, uh, many letters. They're so happy to be getting these letters, and uh, we let people know that when when you send these letters, they will be opened by the prison authorities, and also when the Bootins write back, they will open the letter and read it. Uh, that's just uh, you can write.
making claims about things because I could back it up. And that's what's good about this organization is, you know, we, we've kept a record of our, of our work. And in the course of all this time, there have been people that have come and gone. They say a reason, a season, or a lifetime. We all come into each other's orbits, and, and that couldn't be more true, mostly reasons and seasons and a handful of lifetimes. And I've been blessed to be surrounded by a, a, a really good handful of lifetimes. And what's happened, unfortunately, though, is, as I was describing earlier, when people get close, um, they find themselves in a situation where they want to be exclusive or uh, at very least on a tier of in exclusivity. And when somebody else comes around um, inside of that space, oftentimes they, they lash out and fight back and, and, and cause havoc. And what's happened over the years is many people have come and become part of leadership and had some issue one way or another, usually a personal problem. Most of the time, I would actually have to say 100% of the time, everybody that has left this organization after being a valuable part of it has left not for cause, not for true or real cause, but for a personal problem. And that's really unfortunate because there's been some amazing people that have been part of this organization that had they stayed, who knows, maybe we would have ended prohibition by now. We, we have had enough people that had they remained unified, our growth would have continued. And I believe pretty strongly that had everybody stayed the course and overcome their personal problems, mm -hmm. that we probably would have ended prohibition right now and this show would be talking about something else. But that didn't happen. And what's happened, generally speaking, is the people that have left have gone on their own and they've done their own thing, and they've had varying degrees of success. And the reality is, some of them wish they were back, because the reality is, we stayed the course. We will stay the course until we've ended prohibition, and not before. I don't care if every fucking state has a legalization bill. If there's one person in prison because of cannabis, we're, we're going to still be working at it. We won't be done. If you can't have as many plants as you want, if you can't do what you want as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else, then we're still at it because there's still prohibition. If there's any way that you can get locked up just because of this plant alone, possessing it, cultivating it, transporting it, making something with it, mailing it, selling it, buying it, trading it, whatever, if that is even a possibility, then we're going to still be at it. And what's happened over time, again, splinter group, splinter group, splinter person, so pot star, whatever, all these people have gone on their way, and frankly, not one of them, not one of them, has built anything that's even close to what the human solution does. Now, there's good people doing good work all over the place. That's the problem, is they're doing good work in their own little way. But imagine what we could be if we were unified. My message has always been we need to stand together, and it hasn't happened. But the core is here, and the core will continue on, and we will grow as we continue to, and we will win. And when we do win, the history will show what happened. It will happen. Amen. 
So throughout all of this time, again, there's been personal beasts. One of the personal beasts that comes up all the time is rats and snitches. Anybody can make a claim that another person is a rat or a snitch. But the truth is, there's evidence that could be shown. And I've been called out because I didn't shut down something because there was a snitch there. Okay, whatever. We're not here to talk about that case right now, but that's just one small example of the crap I've had to deal with. Okay? To anybody who might want to be in this spot, I want to share with you what this spot might mean. So we're going to take you to a place a few years back. I'm not going to set a specific time, but I'm going to tell you a very uh, abbreviated story touching on points that later on in future episodes I'll get deep into, but I'm taking you to this. There have been allegations made on this, the threads of this show recently, and it comes to my attention only because I can't see it because these people have been blocked out of my world for years. They were problems back then and they're problems today, okay? But making an allegation, or actually, I'm sorry, making an accusation does not make it an allegation. And we're going to talk briefly about the difference between the two. An accusation is something that anybody can do at any given time and make a claim. You did that to me. You did that to them. You did that. And there isn't a damn thing that you or I or anybody can do to put that back in the box, whether it happened or not. It does, the truth doesn't matter. Accusations get thrown out, and people get affected, and people listen to accusations, whether or not they happened or not, and it doesn't matter. The damage is done. The damage happens. There has been damage because of accusations made by the prosecutors, by the cops, by agent provocateurs, by good activists that got their feelings hurt, whatever. There's been accusations made to all kinds of things, to all kinds of people, and whether they were true or not, they caused harm. Well beyond the scope of what might have or might not have happened. So let's take ourselves to that place. That that's like somebody going around with a machine gun just going, spraying bullets, and you got a lady, an old lady sitting there with a, a bulletproof vest hoping not to get hit. But the truth is, it's divisive. And we talk about this all the time. Mike has it right. Together we stand, divided we fall. And every single person that has thrown accusations out to anybody in this movement without having a real substance behind it and a real goal to accomplish something, if there's a bad person, great. Do something about it. You know? Look at all the Catholic priests that went around doing bad things and nobody did anything about it. That's a problem. That's a big problem. But if one person makes an accusation to somebody who didn't do anything, that could be just as much of a problem. And this is the kind of crap that's happening and it's the kind of crap that keeps us divided. And it's the kind of crap that's going to keep us from our goal of ending prohibition until enough of us decide to get over it, until enough of us rise above it, until enough of us decide that it's bigger than us and we're willing to do what it takes to stand together under my banner, your banner, everybody's banner, bring the banners together and make a bigger banner, and then it can work. So let's take back a few years 
not a specific date, not a specific place. I received a phone call one day from a member and said there's uh, an individual in great stress. And there's a thing that we can do to resolve it using our 501c3. And if we were to do this, it would make us responsible for a debt, but we have a way to solve that debt. And I brought it to the board. We agreed that it would be a good way to resolve, to, to raise up, use our 501c3 and, and, and help somebody in need that was being victimized because of cannabis. I had people that made their words. We have people that will put this money where it needs to go, and this debt will be solved. Uh, we vouched for this debt. And for we received an initial payment from the people that were supposed to pay it all the way through, and that was it. After that, that person or those people never paid another nickel. However, the chapter involved and the local surrounding chapters, this was at a time when we had a lot of chapters. They said, no problem. We can raise the money. We can do this. And I said, okay, well, we're liable for it, so somebody needs to come up with this money. It was a decent chunk of money. And over the next year or so, I was under the impression that everything had gone fine. Everything was good. Now, in the course of this, I was fighting my case. So that will date it at least to some degree. I was still, I was still in fighting my, my multiple felony case for pot. And at the same time, my wife and I, sometimes me by myself, would go where we needed to go to support other people. And in this particular event or, or, or episode, um, this chapter that was responsible for raising this money uh, started having some internal squabbles. And I got a phone call one day from one of the members, and then, like I said, this was a pretty wholesome chapter. There's probably more than 50 members in this one chapter. And there was a number of strong people and a number of, of leaders, and they were all working together and doing really good work. I'm so proud of them. They were doing so great. Um, and it was a far distance from me, but I went and visited them a few times as a result of all the work they were doing. Anyways, I got a call one day, and it was the kind of the beginning of this nightmare, and it was, well, do you know this person did this thing, and what are you going to do about it? Because I'm the president of a nonprofit, therefore I'm somehow liable for settling a squabble between two people that happened to live in a town that was nowhere near me, and they happened to be members of the same group. They might also be members of the same synagogue or church. They might be members of the same hunting club. They might be members of a number of other things, but somehow, because I'm the human solution CEO, it's my job to settle your personal squabble. Well, that was the beginning of what turned into almost a Hatfields McCoys thing. It became really terrible. But in the course of this, there became a children's chapter. And the person, the purpose of the children's chapter was so that children that were potentially victims of the drug war, meaning they were 
susceptible to being taken from their parents because their parents used cannabis, or they had somehow been uh, involved with CPS and they knew uh, things that worked and they could teach other people. That was the purpose of the children's chapter, that kids could support other kids that were involved in this movement. That was it. But I get a phone call saying that, well, we got this sick kid down in this place and we're running medicine down to this sick kid. And uh, somehow there was these this other underground group. I forget what they were called, but I'm not going to mention names anyway. Next thing you know, I'm catching wind that they're attaching the children's chapter to this illegal activity. Now, personally, I got no problem with this illegal activity, but we're a 501c3, for God's sake, federally recognized. And guess what? Cannabis is illegal federally, 100%. So how dare anybody make a claim that my organization, our organization, has anything to do with illegal activities, federally speaking. That would, in itself, put us in jeopardy of losing everything and potentially leadership getting charged. But they didn't have any problem doing that. I said, in no way, shape, or form is this okay, but it continued. I went up a couple of times, and we did some fundraisers. And the fundraisers became problematic because chapters were raising money and not declaring where it was supposed to go to. And it was never any real money. I mean, it was a few hundred dollars any given time. That was a big take. But there was no real accounting for it. We finally stepped in as an organization and said, look, everything has to go through the main organization. We've got to keep these books straight. And that's the only way that this can work. And sometime after that, the spark started to fly. Ultimately, that chapter got dissolved. The, the, the infighting, the allegations, the trying to call me into fixing this um, got so bad that I literally had to say, sorry, this chapter doesn't exist anymore. You are so out of line with what the work that we do, it had to be dissolved. At the end of the time, at the end of the day, when that happened, all of a sudden they started pointing fingers at me personally as though somehow I had something to gain from this. Remember, we're all volunteers. Every single one of us puts endless amounts of time and energy and resource, especially into traveling. Imagine driving up or out or anywhere, taking days off of work, the cost of that, both financially to your business, to your family, to the plants in your backyard, whatever. To think that your goal would be to take a jar of change out of a fundraiser blows me away. Anyways, at the end of the day, some very angry people started doing some very angry things. And I was accused personally by some people of taking money. And I didn't realize the depths that these accusations had gotten. But at the time, I said, I'm not even going to answer this because if somebody's serious about an accusation, they're going to turn it into an allegation and they're going to sue me or bring some criminal charges. Because I tell you what, 
if somebody stole from me, I'd go after them pretty hard. Okay? And if a nonprofit was to steal something from somebody, there'd be a victim. It would be wrong. It would be terrible. And I certainly would not be okay with it. But to be accused of doing something like that, I said, well, either there's something, you know, depraved here going on no matter what, or somebody else did something and I'm catching the heat for it. I didn't know which it was, but it didn't really matter. I just said, show the evidence. Show some evidence that this was, that this had even happened. So at the same time, this is when we bring Becca in, because our books needed to be really airtight. I mean, I, I needed this our, our, our transparency to be 100% and not anything, no muddy waters whatsoever. So Becca comes in as a bookkeeper, um, had run a nonprofit previous, and she took over our books and made sure everything was spotless. And so she's been there ever since. But what happened was when these allegations came at me, I, I wasn't even going to give it the time of day. So I blocked these people out of my life. I have actually records. So if it ever got to what it should have gotten to, if it was real and it was a lawsuit or a criminal case, I have all the records that would show what actually happened. And I have them to this day. And if it was ever to come to that, oh, boy, would there be a counterpunch. But I just heard the other day, last week, that one of these people is still going on. Well, he took all this money, and I, I somebody told me actually what they were saying, and it blew me away. I was accused of stealing over twenty thousand dollars from a fundraiser event. Now, if you've ever been to a Human Solution fundraiser event, I can guarantee you there was never twenty thousand dollars amongst everybody collectively put together. But let's just say, for shits and giggles, that that happened. Don't you think somebody would have said something about it when it happened? Don't you think it would have been a big-ass deal? Or do you think as maybe it was alleged, somebody actually left an envelope with $20,000 in a desk? And I don't know I don't know even what the allegation was specifically. I just got wind from it. But somehow I stole this money. Now, I'm here to put an end to this once and for all. I have been up there since that time. The last time I was up there, literally, I personally made the last payment on that debt because they stopped raising money. And we had to do a big fundraiser and raised up money as much as we could from everywhere to settle that debt because we were still on the title. And they had walked away from it, abandoned it. And guess who paid the last chunk of it? Yeah, it came out of my ass. And I've got documents to back that up. Now, let me tell you this. If somebody ever steals money, do they hang out and continue volunteering their time? You make the decision. Let's let facts dictate your attitude. But I say to my accusers, show me what you've done in the last four years, and I'll show you what I've done. Show me your books, and I'll show you mine. Let's go to court and make this thing real. Put it to rest, because I'm frankly sick of hearing it. I've been up there face-to-face, and not one of these people would look me in the eye and talk to me. Not a word. Now, I tell you what, if 
somebody had come to steal money from me, there's people that owe me money today. If I was to see them, oh, you bet, there'd be words. There'd be more than words. But that's not what happened. And yet we can sit here on Facebook and go, yeah, that's what happened. Let's let the truth be shown with evidence. And that's the only thing that matters. So in this case, of this individual or individuals that are making claims that I personally caused them harm, I say, play your card, play it now, or forever hold your peace, because this is over. There are a couple of other incidents that I'm going to bring out in future shows that are kind of somewhat similar, but they're important enough to lay down. Let's lay this stuff down Let's look at the history for what it is. I challenge anybody to open up their past and say, here's what actually happened. Because it doesn't happen. Nobody does this. But I'm doing it. I'm doing it here and now, and I'm willing to deal with it. Okay? You know how to reach me. I've got the records. So at this moment, this is over. I don't want to hear another word from anybody about any accusation about this incident. Call it done. Now, there was a point, and I'm about to end this. I know I've gone way too long. There was a point where I was actually going to file a slander suit over this. But the deal with the slander suit is you got to prove damages. And what are you going to take it from? There's somebody who has nothing that you're going to go and, and, and waste time in a lawsuit. But I came close. I, I consulted an attorney over this for a few of these cases. And that's what I came down to. There's no way for me to prove damages. And none of these people have anything to take. So, anyways, that's all for today. I thank you all for being here. I went way too long, um, but there it is—a cup of Joe. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done. You were always on.